0: Hey guys, welcome back to the show, W2 Prison Break Nation. Hope you're having an awesome day. Today's podcast is an interview that I did. I was actually on their show, The Next 100 Days Podcast, hosted by Kevin Appleby and Graham Aerosmith. And guys, you need to listen to this podcast simply for the British accents alone. Like th- these these guys are just a hoot, super entertaining there's a lot of value in the episode today. They're interviewing me. This was about a year ago. So they're asking me a lot about my story. I was just getting my coaching business off the ground. My podcast was relatively new. Uh, again, a lot of the stuff is still still relevant. But I think this is an entertaining interview. These guys are great. They ask great questions. Definitely check out their show, The Next 100 Days Podcast. Very similar to oh, the W2 Prison Break show in terms of like, hey, you're making a pivot in life. What are you going to do for the next 100 days? I hope you enjoy the show and the accents. Let me know how you feel about those.
1: Hello and welcome to The Next 100 Days Podcast. My name is Graham Arrowsmith.
2: And my name
0: is Kevin Appleby.
2: And Graham, sitting here in Northumberland a couple of weeks before Christmas, I've actually found that it's warmer in Chicago from today. Nice. Okay. Well, it's not it's
1: not snowy yet in Yorkshire, but I have to say it's a bit chilly and it looks like it's going to be sort of around zero to minus one Celsius, which whatever that is in Fahrenheit, I have no idea. But basically, I am sure our guest, Brian O'Neill from about an hour out of Chicago, mercifully. And Brian, welcome to the next 100 Days podcast.
0: Graham, Kevin, great to be on. Really look forward to, to chatting with you guys today. Appreciate it. And you're wearing obviously an important T-shirt, and it says Chicago Cubs. Now I'm not quite sure what 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 do they do? the The Cubs are our our baseball team. So the Chicago Cubs is the pride of the North Side, as we call it. We have actually two teams in Chicago. We have the White Sox and the Cubs. The Cubs are on the North Side. The uh, White Sox are on the South Side. So it's really kind of division of the of the two sides of of Chicago and uh, for me, I married a, a Cubs fan. And when I moved here almost 20 years ago, I had really no other choice. I, otherwise, I wasn't going to be married to her for very long.
2: I, I have I
1: have seen her, but she's a very lovely uh, lucky lady. But basically, she, she's about a foot less tall than you. I mean, you, you you tower over. I don't know what she picked. She must have picked. You must have been, your feet must have been in the ground when she met you. So she was the Cubs fan then, and, and she dragged you into that franchise.
0: She did. I'm actually from South Florida, so I've I've been here for 20 years. Then I I met her and married her here. By the way, I'm the height thing. I'm six foot seven, so I make everybody look small wow. height height wise. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yes.
1: Well, it, it must be. It must have been the sort of temperate uh, Florida air. But but where you are now, obviously, it's a bit chillier there. But I know I know I, in Rhode Island, I I, I went to see a, a baseball game there, and it and it. it it felt like it lasted three days, but we left after about six hours. But they kept going through the night. I, I, I just, I've got to say, I mean, we like football, which is soccer to you, but and, and at least that's 90 minutes and then you're done. But but this one, it was like waiting for Godot. I mean, crikey, what, what did they do? It's, it's like they couldn't hit the bloody ball. I don't understand,
2: Kevin. Have you ever seen a baseball game? I am confused. I wanted to see, we, we had a, a big post-engagement review on a major project we did, and we ended up doing it in New York. So, obviously, we, we went off to see the Yankees. We well, got into Yankee Stadium, and they got there, and they got to half-time. They came out for the second half. Then they had half-time again. They came out for the third half. Oh, right. And that, eventually, they're in the seventh half.
1: You see, they get hungry really quickly in America, don't they? I mean, I, I'm i sorry, Brian, we're having a bit of a go. We, do, we don't mean to do this. It's just how we are. But... Yeah. um you, you, I mean, well, you will need a lot of fuel as
0: well. Six foot seven of you. Crikey. I do have to eat a lot. Yes. And, and I agree on the games. The games are a bit long. Yeah. So, you know, it's a good thing they, they serve food and, and other beverages at, at the games. They, 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 they beds as well, apparently. And,
1: and, yeah, you know, they, we so need that. Yeah. And, and, but anyway, beyond that, it, it, it was a lovely... T- I've got to say that the, the environment, the, the people were so friendly. It was, it was a lovely occasion that we'd had enough of after five hours. I know
2: the podcast we recorded this morning was all about football, it was Michael Heppel. But come oh, on, right. this, this one's got to have some business content in it.
1: It does, yes. No, you're absolutely right. I, I have one question for you, which is your, you have a website called W2 Prison Break. Now, what does W2 mean?
0: Yes, definitely an American term that we refer to as if somebody has a W2 job. Right. So it's a, so so you're in a, you're in a, you're in a job where you're being paid by a a corporation. We call it a, a a W two. And it's just because of the way that we, we get a uh, form for filing our taxes Ah. at the end of the year. Yes. So the idea of the site is breaking out of the W two prison, if you will. So that's where the name comes from.
2: Makes you a perfect, perfect fit for this podcast. It does. Graham and I are both escapees from that sort of environment. And we recognize that a lot of our audience are escapees. And one of the original concepts we had around the next hundred days was, well, if you're going to do that, what do you do in the next hundred days? Mm. Either to get
0: escaped or what do you do once you've
2: escaped in the next hundred days to establish yourself on something else?
0: Great question. And I and I love the mission of the the podcast. I was actually thinking about this for the last several days. You know, one of the mistakes that business owners will make is they go from, again, I know you don't use W two, but I'm I'm gonna use it here for reference, is you go from your job and then you become uh an employee or a W-2 employee in your business, yeah. right? And it's a lot of it is just that it's no fault to the business owner. It's just that's what you've been accustomed to. That's what you've been trained to think for so long. But I was in a corporate job for 25 years, right? Yeah. So I had my one job to do. I was very, very good at it. It was a sales job. And the other people above me did everything else. You know, they worried about how the business ran and whether or not you know, the systems and processes and the right people are in place. Now I go from doing that to going to having my own business. And all of a sudden I'm responsible for all that stuff. And I don't really know how to do it. Yeah. So I'm still learning, but that's really what I would say to anyone who's, who's looking at starting their own business: you, you have to be ready for that. Most people are not mentally prepared or not ready to make that transition from being a, a W2 employee to becoming a business owner. It's not something you can just flip a light switch on. It's in a lot of cases, you end up working, working more and have less time and feel less and feel more stressed out in some cases.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a, a fantastic point you're making. And, and I, I have to say that you, you, you've got a free guide to, shall we say, jumpstarting your W-2 prison breaks. But the, the, what's the essence of that um, guide? What is it telling us? What are the, what are the big takeaways?
0: Yeah, the the biggest takeaways, uh, Graham, would be, I I appreciate the question, is kind of alluded to what I just said to you before, which is most people are not ready, right? So in the guide, I've just said, you know, I've learned a lot over the last, you know, 20-something years trying to leave my job. And I really think that you need to have an understanding or go through a transformation. Some people need to go through a transformation. Like I said, their minds aren't in the right place. And you need to, number one, you know, we get so distracted by doing something different. Like our mind is constantly looking for distractions, right? Which is, you know, how this shiny object syndrome and not being singularly focused. That was me for a long time. I mean, you name the business, I looked at it and I kind of like dipped my toe into it. Yeah. It wasn't until I became singularly focused on one thing that my timeline to leave my job, I named my real estate business oh, over seven years ago. And I never did a deal until I fixed a bunch of stuff, which is in the guide. So my timeline went from seven years down to nine months. I was able to leave my job and it was because I did a few things. I had the transformation. I hired a coach. I was singularly focused on one thing and I did it very well. And that's why I was able to go from, you know, this, this corporate job that I didn't really like and being able to have my own business and make my own way in such a short amount of, a short amount of time. And it's just a few tweaks. There's five steps. There's five steps in there. And it really starts about transforming your mind, the way you're thinking and evaluating where it is that you are right now. That's super important. I think a lot of people skip that step. Hey, where am I right now? Mm-hmm. Be okay with it. Where do I want to go? Versus just, hey, that looks like I could, a good thing I could do. I could do some wholesaling. I could do some you know online business. I could do, open up a franchise. Yeah. Figure out what you want to do, what lights you up. And, and write it out in great detail, and then go find someone to help you get the result that yeah. you want.
1: Yeah, that's really important.
0: I think the, that,
2: that is so true, focus on one thing. I can relate to that very much myself. And one of the hardest things to do, the, the idea bit, the shiny object bit, a bit of initial setup is actually quite easy. Taking from that initial setup to actually something that's monetized and works, takes a huge amount of effort mm. i think because it takes so much effort you're often seeing the other shiny object and thinking oh well, they've this, this this thing that i'm doing it's not monetizing greatly at the moment i'll do that instead mm. mm-hmm. and you hit the same problem with that next thing that you get to that point and really focus on one thing to me is a very very clear yeah. message because you aren't going to get from initial setup into something that works unless you take the time and push through
0: I agree a million percent. And it's hard for a lot of people to do that. It's difficult for me to do it, even to this day, is to focus on one thing. And I know it. And I still, you know, this thing over here is kind of interesting. You know, like, let me start a podcast, you know. Yeah. I, I oh, you know,
1: wow. I mean, I, and, and you do, the thing is, you're doing it on your own, Brian. I mean, at the end of the day. I mean, you, and I've listened to a little bit of it. And, and I have to say, you're very good. And one of the things you're good at, you're good with questions. Now, I wonder whether or not that makes you, and I think it does, it makes you a better coach. I mean, on your website, you have a, a testimonial from a chap. And one of the things I remember from what he said was how important it was to him. It was the way in which you phrased or or when which you asked a question that made him think deeply. Mm-hmm. That's you, isn't it? That's what, that's what you're about.
0: Yeah, it is. And you know, Grandma, I appreciate you saying that, and and it was it was it was very when I first got that testimonial from from the gentleman on my site, I was a little su- surprised to hear it because you know as a salesperson for yeah. most of my life, you know you know how salespeople are—they're constantly telling you how great they are and how great their thing is.
1: Yeah. But sure. what
0: I discovered, especially through my real estate business, and and again, I was coached. I really learned how to listen to people. Right. Sure. So when I in my real estate business, when I talk to somebody trying to sell their their house, if I talk to them for ten minutes, I might be speaking two minutes, and they're talking for eight eight minutes, and I'm I'm gathering information. Hey, this does this person have a problem that I can help them with, right? And you do that with human beings. Number one, that's how you build rapport, and in your in your business, you always need to be listening and looking for looking for clues, looking for. Points of of pain where you might be able to offer your solution versus be like, hey, this is what I do, this is how much it costs, I, this is I'm so great at this. Like nobody cares about that. Yeah, care about what their issue is, and you got to find that out and solve that. So I just it took it took a lot of practice and skill to get there. Yeah, but I still like to talk a lot, trust me, but I have to listen.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I I get that, and we all do, don't we? But at the end of the day, I think one of the things about yourself is that. That is it, it seems to me that you're you're you've got away from corporate, you are from your w W two job, and effectively you've moved into your own own your own realm, and now you're starting to probably sensibly add bits to it. You know, podcast bit gets you in in a network of people, and it brings people towards you. You've got coaching, you've got courses on the way. Is this it's all a considered plan, isn't it? I mean, is this your coach helping you, or is this Nine tenths, you anyway.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good mix of of both, Graham. And you know, I'm constantly search. We're all constantly searching for whether we whether we choose to recognize it or not. We're all constantly searching for the reason that we're here. Like, why is it that we're here? Yeah. So I look at the 25 years that I was in corporate and the 17 years that I was stuck in a job that I didn't like, flying 100,000 miles a year, missing my son grow up when he was very small, and being away from my wife. I look at that as, okay, I had to go through this because there's a bunch of other people that are going through it right now. They don't have to. So that's why I have the the coaching business. That's why I have the podcast. And that's why I'm putting out videos on YouTube and just sharing my story as much as possible, because the more I started to share it, the more it resonated with people and people would say, hey, that's me. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason for you to do what I did. Right, I, we can shorten the gap. I've learned a lot, so I, I really do feel like that's my purpose, and that's what's drawing me and getting me out of bed in the morning.
1: Yeah, and and, and presumably your, your wife, who, who seems to wear the trousers in your family, it seems that way anyway. But clearly, I'll, of course, yes, yes. She, what, what would she say about you? What would she say your your biggest strengths are? If you if she was like, come on, tell the truth.
0: I would say that she. She would tell me that I'm I'm very focused. You know, I'm very dedicated. You know, I'm I'm certainly I have good habits. Those are the good things that she would she truly say <laughs> about me. I move on to yeah. the nice
1: to the things we really wanted to hear. But uh, but no, I, I I guess I guess we all have things that we have to improve on. But you know, you, you say you were stuck in the job. You did 25 years in corporate. Was it the last 17 years that you felt? oh, Cranky. I'm just repeating the same what the same year another. You know, seventeen times, sort of thing. Is it? Is is, what was it about the job that made you think to yourself, "I really have to get out of this
0: place"? I didn't dislike my job. I just didn't like being away, and I knew that there was something bigger for me. I knew what I knew that I had something more in me to give and to do. I just didn't know what it was. And now, now, fortunately and unfortunately. I made a good salary. I earned good money with my job. I didn't have to work a lot. You know, as we get older, we start to coast, right? Yeah. And I was very safe and comfortable and secure. But I, when I got older, I started to realize that, hey, if I want to move up and I want to push my income up, I'm either going to have to find a side gig or I'm going to have to trade my time for dollars and go into corporate, which I did not want to do. Now, here's the here's the big reason. I have a son, he's 11 years old now. But at the time when I was flying 100,000 miles a year and I was gone, I was, you know, I flew, I was all over Europe. I was just all, all everywhere. I'd gone every other week. When he started to get old, I'd come back and he looked different. He would speak, he, he would speak different. Yeah. That really started to eat away at me. And then one day he told me, I was only five or six years old. He said, hey, dad, I don't like it when you leave. I'm scared to be in the house with mom by myself. Mm. And that was, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. And I, I remember saying to, to, my, to my wife, I said, he's never going to say that to me again. So I, I had to find a way to get out. And, and it was shortly after that, it's about three years ago, where I found real estate. I found a coach, I hired him. And then again, nine months later, I'm out of the job. And now I don't have to fly anymore. And it was just a matter of, you know, finally... Getting to the point where, hey, look, I'm, I'm just not going to let fear run my life anymore. Sure. And that's what was happening. You know, I, I was too afraid to try because, hey, if I mess up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this cushy corporate job that has benefits and, to, and security and retirement plan. It was just, and it was all nonsense. It really was. Yeah. And I just didn't, I couldn't see it. And I remember when I left my job and I was, you know, I had enough income. I was good in a position to leave and I was still scared to leave. I said, I'm just. I'm thinking about leaving now. You know, I, my business is going really well. I said, but what if, what if, what, what if this? And he said, Brian, the risk is the job. The the risk is the job, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I never looked at it that way. And he was, oh, he was so right. Like they could let me go at any single point, right? I'm just, a, I'm just a person on paper. I know, you know, we're friends and everything at the job, but yeah, they don't. The the company has been doing fine without me.
1: Yeah they always go on I know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean we so does Kevin I mean we've we've worked for large companies and and even though you had a stellar time there and you did some things that are still happening and still making them money means nothing to you and you're like it, it, somebody said to me once that when you leave a company it's a bit like dropping a pebble into one of those sort of round sort of bucket things and when the when the sort of waves of the pebble sort of stop that's when they forget about you. It happens really quickly. And, and you know, I, I, I just take that for what it means, because at the end of the day, you don't really owe them anything. You did a huge amount of good whilst you were there. And if you were traveling around the world, they truly trusted you to do a great job and you were doing a good job. But the one person you weren't doing a great job for was your son
0: at that time. No, I was not. My son, my family, you know, you think you are. Yeah. Because you have to provide and you have to do this and you get caught, especially as meant, right? Egotistical, yeah. you know, and, and thinking yeah. like, there's no other way out. There's no other way to do this. And that's why I say you really have to go through a mindset shift. I had started working on my mindset long before I met my coach and started working on my transformation. He was the just the person who helped me propel my business and gave me the confidence to to do something different and have the support. One of the biggest mistakes I made, and I you know if anyone's listening, you know that is thinking about coaching and mentoring. For some reason, I don't know why it is. Maybe it's a man thing. I'm, I'm not sure, but we have coaches and mentors our entire lives growing up, right? Whether we're involved in you know sports, school, you know if we're if we're at the if we're in the church, college. Then we get out and it's like, okay, I'm good. I Got it all figured out. I'm good now. I'll just do my job. That was me. And I stayed in the same place as a result for a long time. It wasn't until I hired a coach. I will never be without a coach and mentor again in my life. I've had multiple coaches, but that's really been a, the difference maker is, in, is making the investment in yourself versus buying all this stuff that is meaningless and doesn't give me, pay me a return or do anything for me, right? Other than make me feel good or look good. Wow.
1: On your website, you're talking about the mindset shift. You talk about the three biggest fears around leaving your job. I mean, Kevin, let's put Kevin on the spot because, you know, he's a bright chap. What do you think one of those fears is, Kevin?
2: Well, I can think of, of myself and who should have left corporate probably 12, 24 months before he did. Only did it the day that uh, our transformation director called the transformation team into the office and said, look, guys, we tried to turn this business around. We failed. We've been doing cost reduction. The next thing we've got to do is fire ourselves. There's why didn't I leave earlier? It was the risk of stepping. you're You're enjoying what you do. And it's the risk of stepping out into the unknown. And where's the paycheck coming from next month? That's probably the biggest fear.
1: Yeah. It's it, the money side of it. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's one of them. I mean, there's, there's, there's at least, assuming that that is one of them, Brian, I, assuming that there's, a, there's another two, what, what are the three that you've got in mind?
0: Yeah, what I've come to find in, in my experience with talking to a lot of people is obviously money is, is, is right at the top of the list, fear of losing money, reputation. Fear oh. of looking, trying something and looking, looking silly in front of your family or friends or other people that the oh. people who are telling you, you shouldn't do that. You can't do so, that.
1: So it's not a loss of reputation because you have this big job, like Kevin working in a you know, very prestigious job. He loses that sort of reputational down the pub. I'm doing this really important stuff. And now he's doing his own stuff. And ah, it does
0: not sound quite as important. Right. Especially if you fail. Right. Mm. So yeah. I think there's the yeah. fear of the failure piece and then looking looking yeah. silly.
2: There in itself is a big lesson to learn because you know, once we're out on our own, the way we do learn is quite often through failing.
0: Yeah, I don't know who tells the story, but I've, I've heard it so many times and you never think about it, but if, you know, it's, it's when a baby learns to walk, Yeah, right? Yeah. They, they, they just keep doing it. They keep trying yeah. until they eventually walk. And we as humans, older humans, can't, can't wrap our head around that. that. Like that's what's supposed to happen. You know, Brian, having, having heard that, A lot since setting up by myself
2: outside of corporate. Really interesting having two young grandsons recently and just watching them go through this stage, watching in particular how they learn. Mm. And not just walking, it's everything they do. They learn purely by experimenting, not Mm -hmm. looking to be taught, and effectively by failure, they'll realize that something doesn't work. They'll probably try the same thing half a dozen times until they try a little variation on it that works a bit better. Yeah. Okay, we've got reputation. We've one. got repu-
1: reputation. We've got money. What's the third area?
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is, this may be, I may have to unpack this a little bit, but it's really the, the fear of losing your time, right? If you try something and it doesn't. And it doesn't work. You're, you're 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 giving up your time. I mean, every everyone's excuse. I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people's excuses. I don't have enough time. Okay. I don't have enough so
1: time. So I'm not. I think you probably need to unpack that because I'm thinking. Well, all of a sudden you're in you are on your own. I like Kevin. I I did as well, and I certainly had the first, not the second one, so much. I figured that you know wherever wherever I was, I'm me. And I was always a bit of an awkward one, even in corporate, you know, it's a sort of, you know, anti-establishment figure. But basically that said, I was on my own then, Uh, maybe falling flat on my face. Yeah. That would, that would have occurred to me, but the, this, this last, you might have to unpack that a little bit more because I know you've got time, but time's yours at that point, isn't it? And even if, like Kevin says, even if you kind of fell over a bit, well, it's learning and you just move on. As long as you can survive, then if you run out of money, then well, fair enough. But yeah. is, is there something else that we should understand about this
0: not utilizing your time? Is it because you're falling behind your plan? Or? I think that, because I think a lot of folks who are looking at starting their own business, you know, most aren't jumping off the, the ledge right away. You know, no. they do something on the side, kind of like I did. I mean, some people just leave, right? And that's, no. hey, if you, if you have the ability to do that, yeah. great. I would never suggest that, yeah. but unless. but uh, people are doing both at the same time, sure. right? So I think that there's, if you combine the money fear, like, a, hey, I'm going to lose money. I'm going I'm to potentially look stupid and lose my reputation here. It's the time aspect as well. They don't want to dedicate the 10 or 12 or 15 hours a week extra. Already they're feeling like, hey, I don't have enough time to do anything. I can't even do my job. I just don't have enough time to start another business. Yes. There's that fear associated around time. And it's really more like time management. So that's what, that's what I help people oh, with is to have an understanding of what, what it is that they're doing. Most of us are doing, I shouldn't say most of us, but a lot of us are doing stuff that doesn't matter. Yes. We're doing things that don't matter. And we don't even realize we're doing things yes. that don't matter. And yes. which is why I love your you know, next hundred days and your singular focus. If you can do one thing well- For the next year, your life's going to be completely different. If you do that for 10 years, you're going to be set for life. At this point, I'd
2: love to plug a book that in the last 12, 18 months, I've found fantastic. It's called 168 Hours by Laura van der Kamp. And one of the things Laura gets you to do in there is to actually take an audit. 168 hours, the number of hours in a week. She's basically saying... How do you use your 168 hours, and do a time audit? Mm. What are you doing. And she, over the last ten years, has kept a spreadsheet every week, recording what she does in every 15 minute chunk of a day. She's taken it to extremes, but yeah. You know,
1: she, she wasn't an accountant by any any chance, was she, Kevin? She's a
2: journalist. But you know, try it. Try it over a week or a fortnight. I have, and it becomes really revealing. Yeah. How much? Time, you do fritter away.
0: Yeah.
2: Pointless stuff.
0: I love it. I've done it. I have not read that book, but I've done that exercise and it, it's pretty eye-opening. It's, it's grueling. It's painful. It's not something yeah. you want to do, which yeah. is kind of ironic because you say, well, I don't have the time to do that. I don't have the time to track my time every 15 minutes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you still tracking your time in the same way as you did in that exercise?
0: Yeah, I, I'll, I will do that exercise I probably should do it more often than I should. Whenever I tell my coach, "Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm my bandwidth's at like a you know 105 yeah. percent," he says, well, sure. "We'll do the time audit again." And yeah. so I'll do it when he when he tells me. Yeah. I do it about once a year. Sure, but I'm okay. actually doing
2: one at the moment. Just trying to get a couple of things back in balance, and I'm just trying to say, well, how much time am I actually spending on work stuff, right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And you, you you conclude?
2: I conclude probably far more than I should do. Fair enough. I, and, Think and about it, Graham. You know, once, once, you, once you're running your own business, yeah. in corporate, it's nicely contained in a nine-to-five. And even then, you look at the nine-to-five you spend in corporate, how yeah. much of it was having a conversation with somebody at the next desk or at the it, coffee machine or whatever. You did not work 37 hours a week. You the, worked but it
1: was it, it the bit that, that really ground me at the time, and it's not the same as, you know, the the distances in the UK. are quite short relative to to the united states but we you know we it was travelling down on on between yorkshire and, and london on the train and it was a very grueling two and a half hours but if if every now and again and every now and again it did happen the train broke down or somebody had managed to launch themselves from a bridge somewhere and splattered on the on the train track that meant you were basically stuck for hours and it was it was just that Warriorness of you, you were always always struggling that was on top of the work you were doing that was just the, 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 the table stakes and so you know a lot of people will probably resonate with that because it can be that commuting and even in using a car, it, the, the motorways or freeways or what you were having in America. I was in America a couple of months ago and in in your, your home state of Florida and I couldn't believe how many cars there were on the motorway, on, on the on the roads.
2: Huh?
1: It was so, it was scary. It was it was literally scary. But I just think those sorts of things are time sucks. And I, I don't know if that's factored into your your time usage.
2: But one of the things I think I, I've discovered is, you, know, you, you used to work probably a 35, 40 hour week in corporate, nine to five, and you'd waste a, a lot, lot of time during that period. Hmm. You look at running your own business and you're probably no longer constrained by those times. You're doing stuff way before nine o'clock in the morning. You're probably sitting in front of the telly filling in your VAT return at nine o'clock in the evening or something like that. You work the hours out that you've actually been doing, not just attending your place of work, which is the corporate definition, Mm -hmm. but actually doing solid value-adding stuff. And you'll suddenly find that the value-adding stuff you're doing is probably double at least what you used to do in corporate.
0: I agree 100, and I and I just I I've shifted from taking I take control of my day. That's the thing I I do, you know. And and when I was in my corporate, it was like I I was in reaction mode from the m- moment I woke up, yeah, to the second I went to bed, I was in reaction mode. So that's an easy thing to flip. You just have to number one acknowledge it and then take control. Oh, well, take control of it. You know, I, I control my day every single day. Now, do things come at me? Yes, they do, but I still have control. I still have a choice over what I, what I do and when I do it. One of the biggest things I've, I've come to, to really embrace. And I laugh at it now is email. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I used to just be constantly looking at stuff coming into my email and now it's like, I, I check it maybe three times a week, maybe, you know, and, and, and I don't, I've missed nothing. You don't miss anything.
1: No. (laughs) Well, I'm, I, I, you know, hats off to you doing that, and, and you, you know, and, and the other, the other thing that what you'll learn working with you on the, your website there is, do what you love. Now, I like that. I do like that, and actually, it's, it's a, if I if I have a handful of messages on my gravestone, I think that might be one of them, mm. because to be honest with you, I, I, I've never really found it easy for other people to tell me what I should love.
0: Yeah, you got to figure it out for yourself. I had a great mentor who made me do an exercise like, hey, write out what lights you up, write out the stuff that you love. I mean, I, I and I firmly believe that everyone can develop a business around what they're passionate about. Is it going to replace your income? No, maybe it will. But you, what matters to you more, money or being happy, right? And you can find other ways to to earn money without trading your time for dollars. And do something that you enjoy. Wake up every day and do something you love instead of how do you even want to get out of bed, right? Yeah. I think that's a lot. I think a lot of people feel that way, and yeah. they feel stuck. And then you know, all of a sudden, one year turns into five, and ten, and twenty. All of a sudden, you know, hey, I regret not doing it all those years. And that's who I'm trying to reach, and that's who I'm trying to help because that was me. Brian, you're you're doing
2: that. You're doing the the help side, but you're also doing the real estate side. Real estate's clearly the thing that's bringing the money in, mm-hmm. in in your case, is the passion in the helping or in the real estate? Or is
0: it both? Okay. Yeah, the, the the passion, the reason I got started in, in real estate is I saw it as a way out of my job from an income standpoint, okay? Sure. And I wasn't prepared for the people that I was going to be able to help. You know, I help people move on, I buy their houses, I help other people get into homes. I'm way more passionate about what I'm doing now and my real estate business. I'm still building it, but I'm I'm getting it to the point where I have the proper systems and people in place so that I don't have to be engaged in it yeah. on a daily basis. And I can go out and do the things that light me up, as it, as, as I say. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. In the beginning, I, it was just me doing the real estate business. I, I I did it all myself, right? Now I have a team and I'm able to kind of pull away more, so that I can look at some other opportunities that, as as I said, light me up. And it's not wrong to have that
1: dream that you you you're using the real estate as a bridge to, and it's a financial bridge up to a point. It's a security bridge. It's a security blanket, if you like. But you then move on to a place where you're really making a difference in certain people's lives with the with the skill set that you've developed and developing.
0: And I'm not lost on the fact that not everybody wants to, I mean, real estate is so, it's such a, I don't want to say it's crowded, but it's crowded on your social media feed if you're looking for ways to make money. Everyone talks about real estate. While that may sound attractive, like the end result, you may not want to do that. That may not be something you're excited about, talking to people, talking to sellers and trying to buy houses and deal with contractors and everything that comes with real estate. you know. And that's why I encourage people to go through that exercise. I mean, a lot of the clients that I work with, I ask them one of the questions I ask them, I'm like, do you you know what lights you up? They don't know. And that that tells me that we need to start with the evaluation phase, which is, hey, let's talk about what your situation is right now. Where are you right now? Like I, I walk through people through their day. What people do on a daily basis tells you a lot about where they are right now. And then you can help them chart a path to where they want to go. So what are the
1: things that you're doing that, you, you know, if somebody else wanted to sort of follow your uh, lead, as it were, what are the things that you're doing to attract people to you for the bit of your life that you are truly little?
0: I do a lot of, number one, I, I, I share and I'm vulnerable. Okay. I think that, and I would encourage people to do that, to share your story. Like you may not think your story is valuable or you, maybe you're tired of hearing it, or maybe you're tired of telling it, I promise you somebody needs to hear, it. okay? My coach used to tell me, because I'm like, they're, they're sick of hearing about my son and the flying 100,000 miles a year. He says, no, they're not. I was at a live event, uh, and I told the story on stage. I had a line of people at, at the cocktail hour waiting to speak to me to tell me, hey, what you said about your son really resonated with me. And I'm not saying this to to brag, the line, but it was just the like the light bulb went off. Like, okay, people do need to hear this and they want to hear it. So sharing and being vulnerable, what ends up happening is you share more and more about the story about your life and you connect with people. So tell people what you do, what you've been through, if you're looking to do something like this and get it out there. I mean, it's daunting for a lot of people to speak and and be in front of people. You know, I started a podcast. I started a YouTube channel. Like I was afraid of being on camera and speaking and you just have to do it now i'm not i'm on a bunch of shows i have my own podcast i have a youtube channel i'm putting out stuff on social media all the time and the response has been great i mean you always have the people who are like hey you know get off there you idiot you know that type of stuff but that's okay
1: no good for you and but no i i I like that I, i love the fact that you're trying to help people you're doing that first and and then people start queuing up and wanting to get in touch with you and the the I mean, let's face it. We're over here in the UK. So if you were to, to coach people over here, it'd be using Zoom, presumably.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, you most have, people I coach are via Zoom. Yes, and and
1: uh, well, because even in the United States, it's not like you can jump in a car and uh, go and go and see them. You you mm-hmm. know. So so basically, then do you, I, I, I presumably your clients are global then?
0: Yeah, most of, all of them are in the US, okay. and then, Yeah. But I mean, look, I haven't really been, this is the first international show that I've, I've been on. So I mean, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think the struggles and the challenges will be the same regardless of where you are globally. Right. I have to say
1: it's been an absolute pleasure, Brian, having you on the next 100 days podcast. Thank you.
0: It's been great. Thanks guys for, for having me. I really enjoyed the chat and I just, I can't say enough about the accents. I, I love them.